Hello and welcome to the pep talk. You are joined by your two favorite bald frauds. On the agenda today, we are discussing, obviously, the Bayern game, Champions League game that happened on Tuesday night, as well as a little bit of transfer talk because there has been some Jude Bellingham news that's come out recently, and uh, we're going to give that a little bit of discussion too. Jason, how are you doing? Yeah, good, man. Good. You know, there was a there was a little game yesterday. <laughs> Just a little game. Yeah, something a little a little insignificant. Nothing little insignificant. crazy. Beat some some German small team 3-0, you know. Uh, Basically a friendly. Just a friendly, yeah. <laughs> just took took them to the cleaners a little bit, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, I'm, right. I'm pretty I'm pretty good. You know, the, the morning went very, very well yesterday. We had some halftime news <laughs> in, in transfer news. Um but yeah, look, I think we need to talk about this game. This this why performance? Why yeah, performance? I mean, <clears throat> you you really couldn't ask for anything better than going to the second, like going to Munich, being up three nothing in the tie. I mean, I don't think uh, you could have really asked for anything better. I I think the result is out of my dreams. That that's how like that's how I describe it. Like when I, you know, when you go into a game like this, you hope for like a one nil, a two nil. Like, one, you say, you know, have it, take a lead. Like we wanted to take a lead to Munich, but to take a three nil lead to Munich, you know, <laughs> it's funny because in a way you could have said we could have scored more goals, <laughs> but look, they're they're a great team. They're not they're not they're not some pushovers, and to have a three nil lead going into Munich is absolutely fantastic. There's literally nothing more you can ask for. It's a it's a dream result for me. Like I, you know, and. I mean, we spoke. I spoke about this before um, about collecting scalps from the big teams. I feel like we played better against these big teams. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it just it just felt like we hit the intensity and the the push from the players was all there, and it's just like because we know that they're a high level team, so we need to match that high level, and then we brought that high level, and then we brought some more. So. Look, if we get through Bayern and then we're most likely going to, you know, after tonight, after this morning's results where Chelsea got beat 2-0, it's looking like another rematch of the semifinals. Um, but let, yeah, let's just talk about this game first um, and get into it because, like, there's so, many, there's so many things that we can talk about about this game. There's, like, I don't even know where to start. Like, you can talk about the defense. You can talk about the attack. You can talk about the, the mentality. You can talk about the overall tactics. There's so many things to talk about. Because there's so many things went really, really well, and so many did so many things right, and oh, it's just yeah, that that was a performance for the ages, hundred percent. Yes. So let's get into it. Uh, let's start with the lineup. Are you surprised? I mean, we're not really surprised that anything changed. I think on our last podcast, that's basically what we predicted is, you know, maybe one yeah. change, and that's that's what we got. We got one change. Yeah, ba- basically. Uh, so, does that surprise you? Yeah, look, it, it didn't surprise me at all. Like, it basically picked itself, right? So, you know, going into the game, we said there's only two options, right? It's either Stones or Walker as that right back. But because we know now Pep prefers Stones to do that little midfield role, he's going to play Stones at right back, right? So, that's it's picking itself right now. And then you've got the um, the... The, the right wing, it's either Mar- like Foden's injured or not injured. He just had a surgery. 
Um, so he's out. So really, you can only pick between Mares and Bernardo. So you either choose a more attacking option in Mares or you choose a more controlling, more overall better player in around the pitch in Bernardo. And then I think a game like this, Bernardo Silva, and we've always said that you need Bernardo for these type of games. So yeah, look, I'm, I can't really complain about the lineup. It was, I looked at it and go, yep, I'm happy with that. There's not, no, no funny changes, no funny formations, no, you know, fucking this and that left back or anything like that. Look, it it picked itself. So I'm, I can't complain. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the same thing when I first saw Bernardo, I thought, okay, he's in there for something specifically. Like, mm-hmm. just like he was against Leipzig, how he was there to to press on the right side and, and close down. And he was really put a uh, had a big effect on the game. And so I thought there's, there's a tactical reason he's there instead of Mares. Um, and I think the reason for that, we'll get into this in a little bit, but I think it was just a stick to Alfonso Davis like glue. Um, yeah. yeah. But in terms of stones, what was really interesting is um, it played out during the game where stones actually like he came into midfield and then in defense, he went to center back and a went to right back. So he kind of just dropped back instead of going over to, instead of stones going over to right back. And the only time we've seen them rotate like that this year was in the second half against Liverpool. Other than that, it's normally Stones playing right back and Akanji playing center back. So that was interesting to see as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of the actual lineup, seeing the names on the team sheet, there's really nothing to um, – nothing really to be surprised at. It, it, like we said, it picks itself. So yeah, um, <laughs> when you when you send Bynes lineup, did you get a little bit – Scared with their with their pace? Were you, was that was that a concern to you? Not really, because mm, yeah. I mean, like they were gonna have pace regardless. Yeah, and we dealt with it pretty well. <laughs> yeah, and like it's not like like we give up all these shots in behind all the time. Like we come against pacey guys all the time, and yeah, Byron's guys not only have pace, but they're very good. Like they're they're skillful. Yeah, I but I like. I don't know. I think Ake has pace. Stones has pace. Akanji has good pace. And Diaz might not have pace, but he has like the awareness and the positioning to make up for that pace. And Byron also, like, Tuchel is not a a manager to just like start lobbing balls in behind either. So I wasn't really incredibly worried about it. And in the end, like, we did a pretty good job of, of neutralizing that pace and slowing yeah. the game down. So overall, like I don't think I was super worried because okay, if one of them wants to come out and what Sadio Mane comes in, like he's got pace too. So kind of knew he there was going to be pace all over the field, anyways. Yeah, shout out to the um to the Bayern Munich fans um, replying to our lineup and laughing about our four center backs. And how Komen was going to cook John Stones. Good stuff. <laughs> yeah. they Tuchel kept switching their wingers back and forth because they were having so much trouble. Yeah. Like, if you notice, yeah. during the game, Sané and Komen kept switching because neither of them really could do a whole lot. I think Sané had 
one time where he got past the kanji, and that was really it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, um, let's look at the first half. Like, you know, before the Rodri beautiful left-footed curler that nobody saw coming, like, how were you feeling up to that point? And did did the Rodri goal change anything, or, or what did you think? So games like this, um, which are very, very different to watching City play Premier League games, you know, these games are fantastic to watch. That's that's the first thing, right? It you're on the edge of your seat basically the entire time of this game, right? And this game kind of went in, I'd say, periods of domination for either side, right? So like there was periods where we looked better, and then there's periods where they looked a lot better. Um, and the first twenty five minutes, I'd say, were a wash. It was it was more of a we're feeling each other out, like you know. You know, are you how are you playing? How are we playing? And then, then the game started getting a bit more. Uh, we started we started getting a bit more into it. But I feel like we controlled that early game really, really well. Um, I don't think you know, Bayern had many chances at all in that first half altogether. It, you know, I think their best chance was probably in that first twenty five minutes. Um, I think it was that Musiala uh, where he had a he had a nice shot going straight to the bottom left corner. I think Edison was wrong footed on it as well. Um, but Diaz, you know, stuck a leg out. I don't know how he even did stuck a leg like that, but he did. Um, and he stopped. I, I, in my opinion, that was a goal if Diaz's leg is not there. So fantastic stop. And that was before the Roger goal. Like, I think it was a few minutes before the Roger goal. Um, so, like, to me, overall, that first 25 minutes was, you know, feeling each other out. We both had a couple good chances. And I think we had like that um, Gundogan turn um, straight pass. Uh, no, Grealish it was Gundogan to Grealish, then Grealish to Haaland, and Haaland had his first shot. Um, I feel like Haaland maybe could have taken a better touch there and taken a proper shot. Um, but it was still we're still in that early game where it's like you know, then there's always going to be a bit of nerves for the players, you know, trying to like you know, impose themselves on the game. But as the as the game went on, I feel like we we grew a bit more comfortable especially that first half. Um, and then, then Rodri's goal. So the Rodri goal basically opened the game up, right? So, you know, Tuchel's, I feel like he, both teams were set up, obviously not to concede, but the way Tuchel set up, I feel like it was set up not to concede. And then when you score a banger like that, it opens the game up, right? And it kind of changed the game a little bit because it made everyone a bit more confident. The crowd gets into it. And then, you know, you start pushing. What about you? How do you feel about that first 25 minutes after Rodri's goal? Um, yeah, I mean, I felt pretty good about it because, like you said, this is not a Premier League game. Like, these Champions League games are different. They have a different feel to them. Like, we're not going to dominate the ball for 90 minutes and give them no chances. That's not how the Champions League works. We've seen that. And even against especially more against inferior Yeah, even in even against more inferior sides, that's not how it works. So like you're going to need a little bit of luck on your side. You're going to have to like have some really good finishes, hope that they don't have very good finishes, have some good last ditch defending because like there's just like Bayern and City are probably the two best teams in the world right now. Like the way the way both of them are, they're probably the two best, if not two of the top three or four. 
right? Yeah. So it is wrong to think that City is just going to stop them from having chances. Like that's just like City's just going to shut the game down like it's, you know, Wolves at home. That's not how it works and that's not how it's going to work against Bayern. So you have to know going in that the game is going to be a little more open. It's going to be a little more end to end and you have to evaluate City's performance based on that. And I think overall, especially in the first half, like City played fairly well. I think even in both halves, like City created more chances. And and also City took the chances. You know, City like they had the Rodri goal, but that Rodri goal was also due to like a Bayern error. So if you watch it again, Bernardo's dribbling down at that end and Gnabry was marking Rodri, and he couldn't get the ball to Rodri. Bernardo was looking for Rodri, could not get it to him. And Bernardo passes it back to Stones, and Stones passes it almost directly back to Bernardo. And I get when Bernardo passed it back to Stones, Gnabry just laid off of Rodri and didn't. And then when the ball came back to Bernardo, he didn't follow Rodri back up. And so Rodri was open, and then. Musiala saw the error and tried to make up for it, and then Rodri just kind of went right past him, and that's when he was able to get that shot off, which I'm going to be honest, I never thought Rodri could do a shot like that. Like, left-footed, curler, outside the box. My God. Um, That (laughs) was incredible. That was, like, so well-executed, great technique, but that was, like, that was because... Bayern lacked focus and Gnabry switched off and he left Rodri. And that's what started this whole thing. So that's like, those are the type of small margins that really decide these games. So exactly right. It's it's a, it's a game of fine margins and we've seen it before, right? Like we've seen fine margins before (laughs) Madrid last year. Hello. (laughs) You know, there's, there's always, there's always, um, that moment of fine margins and that Roger goal is a moment of fine margins, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's even like when we, when we played PSG in the knockout stages two years ago, like there's no world where you're going to limit Neymar and Mbappe to zero chances. Like that's just not going to happen. That's right. And no matter how terrible PSG are run and who their coaches, it doesn't matter. They have Neymar and Mbappe they're going to at least have some chances. So really you want to limit the quality of their chances and you want to create good quality chances for yourself. Cause that's the other thing is you're probably not going to have all of the chances you want either. And um, so, you know, at the end of the first half, I thought one nil was a pretty fair result. Like really the only good chance Byron had was the Musiala shot that was blocked by Ruben Diaz. That was an incredible block. And Ederson was not getting to that in a million years. Like he, he if was that got past D- he was Yeah, if that way. got past Diaz, that's a goal. So yeah. um other than that, and like that was still that wasn't an easy chance. And like we were crowded in the box. Great block by Ruben. And especially like 
when you watch it back and he basically did the splits, like that wasn't, it wasn't like that <laughs> it went right at his foot. Like he basically did the splits and blocked it that way. Um, but like, other than that, they, I can't think of any even halfway decent chance they had, which is incredible. Like that's, that's great for city to do. And especially when they had less than 50% possession, which means like they, they allowed right. Byron to have the ball, but it was essentially meaningless possession. Yeah, the, and the only that's other chance really good. The only other chance I believe was the second half. They had a couple of chances in the second half, but otherwise they didn't have much the entire game. But in this first half, yeah, that, outside of that Musiala chance, I don't think I don't think there was any other chances. Even 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 City, we didn't have much chances either. Um, you know, out, there was only like a few times where we got in behind, but I feel like the second half was a bit more open than this, that first half. Yeah, the first half, like there were a couple decent quality chances, but really there weren't like, it was more than Bayern, but it wasn't like any anything clear cut by any means. The, the only so, other, yeah, the only other chance that I'm actually to recall now, the only other chance that we did have in that first half was Gundogan shooting, um, I think it was around the 33, 32, 33 minute mark. Gonna have that shot where some of the I don't know how he even reflexed it, but I I feel I feel like even if that goal went in, I think they call it back because really shallow keeper. So yeah, oh yeah, yeah, there was that one. That's yeah. right. It's funny we got a corner out of that, and I was like, I'm like really they're not gonna call a foul <laughs> like that. Imagine we scored off the corner of that, I'd be pissed. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, and um, so yeah, we we didn't create a lot. Um, we created a little more than them, and Rodri hit a worldie, and that was kind of the difference, at, at least in the first half. Almost so, up my house with that one. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it was, yeah, it was beautiful. So, in the second half, what did you think? How did you think the game changed? Oh, and one more thing about the first half, I guess, is like, by, especially after Rodri's goal, it seemed like Bayern was really growing into the game. Like, City well, yeah. started having a tougher time playing out. Like there were, like you said, there's spells where Bayern was dominating, and there's spells yeah. that City was dominating. And towards like the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half, Bayern was in more control of the game. I think Sane had that decent shot like right before halftime, and it was pretty far outside the box. It was, it almost but killed it him. still went. Yeah, it almost curled in, but it was pretty wide. I think Ederson had it covered, but still, like, Bayern was at least, like, City weren't playing out, and Bayern had the ball in our third a decent amount. And so Bayern kind of started growing into that, and it seemed like it carried into the second half. Is that what you thought happened? Yeah, so, and like I said, the um, the the game went in, in periods, right? So I'd say from 45 minutes... So second half, 45 minutes up to about 55 minutes, it was all Bayern, right? They were, they were they were getting a lot, like they were playing a lot better on the ball. They were passing through us a lot better. So like their midfield transition to their front line and back and forth, et cetera, was going, they were going right through us, right? There was We had to make a lot of what, what I feel like is what you call like last ditch defending where your defenders are actually having to put a stop to the attack to make sure they don't get a clear-cut chance. 
Um, and we did. We did. We had a lot of great defending this game. That, that's probably something that's I haven't seen from a city performance like this in a long time. I don't. I don't remember us being this well defensively <clears throat> since the last time I believe we had we were this good defensively was that year that we went to the Champions League final, right? Where where we're playing PSG and we're like crawling on the floor to make stops and blocks and every block and every save and everything was like a goal, right? And that's what this game felt like. When we made a block, it felt like we scored a goal. And and I think that that's, that's Diaz, right? And that's what happened in that second half in that first 10 to 15 minutes of that second half where Bayern were passing through us. I feel like they're cutting through us a bit like butter, right? And, you know, they started to improve themselves on the game. Because they were down 1-0, they felt like they had to score. Um, and they were pressing, they were playing high intensity, which kind of helped us a little bit anyway, because what ended up happening is, and then we'll talk about this a bit later, I feel like they burnt themselves out, right? So they spent that first 10 to 15 minutes as like an onslaught, and we took that pressure, and we played it defensively perfectly. So I think their biggest chance in that period was another Leroy Sane attempt, right, where... He shoots off that left foot and he goes for the corner. We've seen this goal. He scored this goal plenty of times for City. You know, you look for Liverpool, etc. Like he's done this goal so many times. But Edison made a great, great save. That it's a un, very underrated save, right? He put a hand down um, and stopped the goal going in, and that's a very, very, very good save. It's very underrated. Um, but and then the the defenders like Stones, Aki, um, Diaz, they all made massive stops. Like even Akanji was playing like. Man, like, our defenders were on something last night. Like, it's just... Oh. I think there was there was one, especially in particular with Ake, one thing that they tried to do probably five or six times in the second half is they tried to loft a ball to the back post in behind Ake and so they could square it across goal. And, like, City... We've done this a hundred times, especially with Cancelo. Um, and Ake had it covered every single time. Like every single time they tried that, Ake was on top of it. And so you knew that they practiced that. Like you knew they were looking for that, which was, it was just so good to see. It was so like, Ake was just so defensively disciplined down that side because it seemed like they just kept trying to go at him. Uh, and attack his side because they weren't really getting anywhere with the kanji. And Ake just like, he had it covered every time, even when it looked like he didn't have it covered, he had it covered. And um, I just remember particularly those moves where they're lofting a ball, either like Kimmich or Goretzka or whoever is kind of lofting a ball to that back post to try to put it across the goal. And Ake just, ate it up every single time. Yeah, look. So, yeah, yeah it was incredible. Yeah. And like I said, the overall performance of the team from 1 to 11 was fantastic. There's, there, you can literally have a 10-minute segment for each player and talk about each player individually on how well they played. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and that's... Strange to say, like you don't usually get performance like this, and, and we've done these performances now a few times in the last few weeks, which to me is a telling sign that we are primed 
for this run-in. We are literally primed. Like this is, we are in such a good moment. And like I said in the last pod, usually we have these moments or this form around October to December where we go on a nice long 10 to 15 game winning run. And we basically have that amazing form where we play defensively, play offensively, everything's working perfectly. And then we we go through the motions up until the Champions League. And then we usually win the league because we've built up a, a good a good lead. We've done the opposite this year, right? It's we're not prime we were never primed anywhere between October and January, but we're primed now. And I kinda like it. It made the it made the, the first half of the season like, oh, what the hell's going on? But I kind of prefer us to be this primed this late in the season. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we don't we don't have as much injury problems, we don't have much um fitness issues, we don't have much form issues, like, oh, we need to get this play into form, you know, type of thing. It's literally everyone's clicking. Let's go. You know what I mean? So um but yeah, but back to the second half. Look, that first 15 minutes was nerve-wracking. And I, and that's probably where Pep was like this game was emotionally it emotionally destroyed me, he said. Um and I feel like it was because of these moments, these periods of domination, right? So Bayern, Bayern put the pressure on, but our, our defense answered. That's that's the best way to put it. Yeah, and I think like in the second half alone, I mean, our defending that, like you said, the defending was incredible. I couldn't tell you how many shots or anything that Ruben Diaz blocked. It seemed like he was just getting in front of everything. I think actually. It was Leroy Sané just, like, bursting through the middle. And Ruben just, like, got right in front of him, just took it right off of him, right on the edge of the box. And that led to – that possession led to Rodri's goal, I believe. Um, So, like, he, he was doing it the entire game. And it just seemed like time and time again there was just nowhere to go once they got to our box. And it honestly, it kind of reminded me of when when we played Arsenal a couple of months ago because it was sort of the same thing. Like, Arsenal had a lot more possession than, than City did. And in this game, we had 44.6% possession. So we didn't have the majority of the possession. But what we made sure is that defensively, they had meaningless possession. Like, they they might have more possession, but they... They're not doing anything with the ball. And I think that's what's more important this year is we've learned how to play without the ball better. Like, we're we're more organized. And that's down to Ruben Diaz, a lot of that, because he's the organizer back there. And it seems like in previous years, if we lose the ball, like, it's just, it's just not organized. That's just how it is. So now it's like when we lose the ball, we're not worried about – what they're going to do with it. It's like our the the defending's always solid. Everybody's exactly where they should be and the quality of chances were really low for Bayern. Like I think they ended up with 0.8 xg, but like really that Sané shot was the only like really good quality chance they had. Like even that Musiala shot like he was facing a wall of defenders. So one of them looked like they were going to block it. 
So it would have had to go through some defenders and be accurate enough to get in the corner. Sané was, was really the only one that they had that actually looked like it was a, a decent opportunity. So it was the I think only that's one, a credit. Yeah, sorry. It was the only one where Edison actually had to make a great save. It's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, there were other ones that Ederson made good saves, but they weren't like world-class saves. Like they were saves that he should be making or like where he has to parry it out and he like he does a good job parrying it the like deflecting right the way. ball in the right way, stuff like that, but a lot of their shots were from outside the box. So yeah. um that I think that's a credit to City and especially Sané. It seemed like Sané was just trying to he oh, checked himself from outside he, the box the whole time. He was on one yesterday. Jeez. Yeah. So he was on one. here's a question. Like, did you think Alvarez changed the game much when he came on for Kevin De Bruyne? Uh, it's, it's an interesting one, right? So to Kev, I think he got he got a little bit he had a bit of a knock as well prior to being subbed. But then he seemed to rise. I was like, okay, well, why are we still subbing him? But then Pep in the post-match said uh, he did it for tactical reasons. Um, and he was pretty clear about it. He's like, I get, I get paid to make these decisions. Um, but it did change something. Like, Alvarez is, and I've said this before, he's an underrated pass. He's an underrated crosser of the ball as well. And he was putting in fantastic crosses. He's even doing corners. Like, it's mad to see. Like, he was literally doing all our corners. So he's got a very, very, very underrated cross. Um, and what he brings to the pitch was speed and intensity, right? So the pressure that we were putting on their back line when he came on, I feel like changed the game a little bit. Kevin was a little bit slower, and I'm of the opinion, I'm still of the opinion that playing Kev every three days is just not going to work. So I feel like he probably needs a rest this weekend against Leicester. I wouldn't play him, right? Give him, give him, give him that, give him that day off. I don't think he can play every three days at a high intensity. Um, so I'd yeah. rather have him raring to go for next week rather than the midweek, like having to play literally two games in a row again. Um, for me, so I feel like it did change the game in that that's because the intensity from our front front line and front pressing went up. Um, and the second, I think the second goal comes from the press, right? So it was Grealish pressure. On Upa Upa Kamenko, can't even say his name. <laughs> Upa Makano. Upa Makamano. <laughs> it's very hard to say his name, but anyway, um, I don't. I don't. He it was his pressure that basically changed the game a little bit um, because we just got fresh. <clears throat> you know. So yeah, I'd say yeah, it did change the game. So. Yeah, I agree with you. Like, Kevin's at the point in his career where he shouldn't be doing 90 minutes every three days. And especially, like, the way he plays is so intense. And, like, it, right. it's reliant on pace and power. It's very different than, like, Gundogan, who doesn't really rely on those things. So he could probably save his legs a little more and and be a little better every couple of days, even though he's older than Kevin. So... I think it did change the game in that way. And, you know, funny thing is, is when I was doing a scouting report on Alvarez 
last year when City first signed him. One thing I noticed when he played for River Plate, he took all their free kicks. So he took all their corners. He took direct free kicks, even ones where like you were so far out of the box that where you're putting balls into the box for others to run onto. He took all of those. So I kind of knew he had that in his arsenal, and I think that's why like when we first signed him, they kept saying, well, he can play on the wing. I don't think he'll ever really play on the wing very much, like unless it's I don't think absolutely it's necessary for like injury reasons. He'll probably never play on the wing. I don't but, think he's a winger. No, he's not. But that's kind of where they got it from. Is like he he's not a typical striker. Like he has the passing ability to play on the wing if very needed. And we can see it here. Like him and De Bruyne play the same. Like he is the guy that comes in for De Bruyne. Like in every yeah. game, it's not re- like it, it. It's kind of a four four two because De Bruyne almost plays like a second striker. It's hard mm-hmm. to even define the position that they play because defensively, when we press on a four four two, De Bruyne is next to Holland, and offensively, it's like having another attacking midfielder. But they play so high that they're almost at the level of Holland and the wingers and. So Alvarez can play that same position as De Bruyne. He plays it differently, obviously. But, like, he gives you a lot of things that De Bruyne gives you. Like, he gives you that pace and power. One thing he gives you is, like, a crazy finishing ability away from Holland. So he can arrive at the back post or wherever, arrive in the box a little later than Holland and has superior finishing ability. He's still a very good passer. Obviously, he's not De Bruyne. Nobody is. But he has that in his arsenal. And like you said, like his intensity changed it because you could tell visibly that De Bruyne was slowing down. And so for oh, Alvarez to come on, and Alvarez is a jackrabbit. I mean, he's just everywhere all the time. He reminds me, he's like Gabriel Jesus, but he can finish. It's incredible. Yeah. And... So put that next to Holland, which Holland doesn't normally play 90 minutes either because usually the game's over by then and he's out by the 60th minute. So Holland was even – and hit, Holland ran a ton as well. He, I think he ran 12 kilometers, I, I heard. So like really? Holland's – yeah, so Holland's getting tired because he's running all over the place. So it was really good to have Alvarez in there. And then you have – you know, speaking of the intensity and the pressing, like that's why Bernardo was there because – Bayern loved to use Alfonso Davis in their attack. because, um, And that's why they don't really play Cancelo very much is because on the other side, there's Pavard, who is more of a center back, like slash right back who stays back type of player. He's not super attacking. And so that allows Alfonso Davis to just keep getting up the field because he's with his pace and power, he's such an effective attacker for them that you can't have him in Kinsella. Like, they'd be way too vulnerable defensively. And so that's why Bernardo was there on the right wing because he tracked back Davis. Per- like, Davis did nothing the whole game. And you could tell he was a major part of their attack. So that was, I think, the specific tactical reason that Bernardo was there because, like, not only what did he make um, Davis defend – he like he tracked back, he followed, he stuck to him like white on rice, as they say. And 
it was like it was masterful. So the the entire pressing from that front was just so good, and like you said, led to the first goal because Grealish also like does not get the credit he deserves for how he presses. Like he's always done a great job in his work rate, and a lot of people said when he first came to City that he didn't have the work rate or that was he's going to be had, a problem for him. He's always That's had the work rate. Yeah, that's just not true. And exactly. So he's always had that work rate. And he created that opportunity because you can see he went right into that passing lane. Upo Makano could not get it out to Pavard because that's what he kept trying to do. And that's when he took a heavy touch and Grealish closed him down and got it. But that all started because Grealish stood right in that passing lane. You can see him. He like, Kept going, kept moving over, so he couldn't even curl it around Grealish, and that's what caused that goal, and that's what caused the error. And honestly, it kind of reminded me of when City played Real Madrid during the lockdown year, and Varane had that shocker of a game, <laughs> where and he like he caused like two goals for us. It, it reminded me of that, like the press just overwhelmed them, and they're both good center, like. I think Upamakano is a is a good center back, and I think Varane is a good center back. But they just it's like some avalanche overwhelmed them both, and they just made shocking mistake after shocking mistake for an entire game. Yeah, and like it, it, it that second half. So after that sixty minutes, we we just we just took the game by the scruff of the neck, in my opinion, and. Not only did we create a lot of chances, we created very good chances. Summer had to make some fantastic saves to stay in the game. You know, we, we could have scored four or five at that point. Like it, the game completely shifted in our favor. So after that initial, and then Bayern were on, were dead. Like they were on their like last legs. I felt they couldn't run after us anymore. They couldn't deal with the press. They couldn't pass through us anymore. We had total control. Um and. The two goals that come from it are, are, are literally a a byproduct of that, um, and Alvarez is definitely part of that. You know, so that that goal, like you said, Grealish steals the ball, does a was it a back heel back heel straight to Haaland, and Haaland lifts it over the top, and Bernardo comes and heads it in. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> so much so much for Haaland having link up play. <laughs> That was a it was a brilliant cross in, in my opinion. Like, not many people can do that. Yeah, for like a world class striker to have the awareness to look up and find Bernardo at the back post, like streaking in and deliver a perfect ball right on his head, like that. It takes a ton of skill and a ton of like football knowledge and awareness to do that because. Not many goal scorers are going to do that. Like he's, maybe, he's probably the best goal, goal scorer in the world right now, and he had a halfway decent look at the goal. Like it wasn't wouldn't have surprised me if he scored, but that wasn't a good angle. And he decided to pass that up for a better shot. Like that is that is what working with Pep Guardiola gets you. Like I don't think he does that at Dortmund a year ago. So. Uh, it was just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, that was that was so well worked and just great awareness and execution by Holland. And you could see, like, 
Bernardo was wide open at that back post because everybody came over to Holland. Like Delict, if if you see it, like once Holland is running in behind and that ball comes, Delict beelines it over to him, and they just like completely ignored that back post, and that just makes it even more dangerous when he can do something like that. That was just it was beautiful. So yeah, uh, talking of Delict, he actually made a big mistake for the third goal for Haaland's goal. I don't think many people realize it, but he made a mistake. It was actually his fault that Haaland had a free free shot on, on from the, from the Stones header. So to go back a little bit, so Alvarez actually had a great chance just before Haaland's chance um, around that seventy five minute mark, where I thought he, he could have scored. It was very it was a very very good shot, um, low shot, and someone made another good save, and it goes out for a corner, <clears throat> and we score like thirty seconds after the corner. And it was actually Alvarez who put the ball back into Stones, and Stones headed it to Harlan. So again, Alvarez has his has his fingers all over all over our uh, 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 goals in that second half. Um, but what was what was um you know like you think about Alvarez with that chance, right? And you go, oh, I could have scored, but we scored literally right after it. And what what Delict did right is when when Alvarez puts the cross in, right? Before he puts a cross in, Delict moves up into no man's land. I don't know if he was trying to pay, play a high line, but he did not look at his defenders. He's like his other centre-backs and Pavard and Upacamano. And you just say, where's he going? You, just, you look at it, you look at the, the replay and he's just moving up. <laughs> it's like, where are you going, mate? You got you got Harlan in the box still. <laughs> and then literally Alvarez puts the <clears throat> put, puts a fantastic cross in. Shane to Stone's head, Stone's... Stone's John Stones heads it straight into Haaland. Haaland has a a very underrated finish, I'd say. That finish was sublime. Like, he actually hit it off his right leg. He kind of fooled Summer. He, Summer, I think, thought he was going to go with his left leg, but then he just taps it with his right leg and goes to the opposite side. Um, another fantastic finish by a fantastic finisher. And that's, that's his record 45th goal, which breaks the Premier League record for most goals scored in all competitions. For a Premier League player, so he has the most already, and we've still got potentially sixteen games to go. Yeah, I think soon he's going to break into the like most goals in all competitions for a season. He'll probably start soon breaking into the territory where it was only as Messi and Ronaldo for years. Like if you go look at most goals in a season or most goals in a calendar year. It's literally like Messi, 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 Ronaldo, Messi, Ronaldo, Messi for like the first 10 of them or whatever. I think only Suarez is in there. But otherwise, yeah, it's, yeah, just, them, yeah. it's just them two. It's just them two. <laughs> so, yeah, he, so he has, Holland's he has going to break chance. into there. Like he's, he I don't think anybody in the world can ever break Messi's 92 goals in a calendar year. Like that's just – Insanely mind blowing that Messi ever did that in a year. Like that's insane. Even for what Holland's doing right now, like that's even a different level. And but but having said that, like that upper tier list, like Holland is going to get into those, you know, top ten, top five seasons conversations, like. That's that's where he is. Like you said, he he already broke the league or the Premier League record for Premier League players in a single season, and he's still got 
a month and a half left in the season. Like that's wild. If, if it's we make absolutely the, crazy. If we make the CL final and the FA Cup final, there will be sixteen games remaining for the season. So sixteen games, right? Or fifteen games now because we played Bayern, but fifteen games left, and he's got forty-five goals. You could easily see him hit sixty. Oh right, yeah, so like sixty goals for a it, season. Would it surprise anyone? There. Would it surprise anyone if he just goes and bags a hat trick against Leicester this weekend? Because it wouldn't surprise me. According, and then, according to British media, it's boring. So I don't know. <laughs> it's disrespectful to the establishment. <laughs> I can't like. Oh, that was the most beautiful line ever. That's going to be used forever. Disrespectful to the establishment. <laughs> well, guess what? You know what's disrespectful to the establishment? He's two goals away from tying the Premier League record. And there's nine games left. Like, yep. he very well, he wouldn't surprise me at all if he breaks the record this weekend against Leicester. Yeah, potentially. I, I have, you know what? Talking of Leicester, just a little bit off topic. I have a feeling he might not even start that game. Well, I think the the bigger problem is I think Alvarez might be in there to give De Bruyne a rest. Ooh, so yeah. it might be one of it might be one of those things where like they start the game, try to jump on him early, get an early lead, and yank him after 50, 60 minutes. Mm. It might it, it could be De Bruyne to start with Alvarez up up front though, because De Bruyne did only play sixty minutes in this game. So like maybe, maybe but I think they're gonna want to. Yeah, I think they're gonna want to keep him for Bayern. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting what we do against Leicester. It's, it's another must-win game. Like every game we have is a must-win game, so we don't really have opportunity to rotate properly. It's literally like, are you good? Okay? Yep. Okay, you need to start. <laughs> like that's 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 gonna be our mentality for the next month and a half up until the, yeah. until, we, until we either get knocked out of every competition or. Um, you know, we don't have a chance to win the league anymore, but it's literally like massive games from here on out. So, yeah, look, like I said, L- we, we, luckily we, Leicester is a massive shit show, and Harvey Barnes is also not playing this weekend, and he's their mm-hmm. best player. So, look, yeah, look, I don't want to jinx it, but new manager bounce, man. Like they've got Dean Smith just signed a. Is it Dean Smith, the old Aston Villa? Yeah, coach? yeah, Dean Smith. And he's always given us trouble at Aston Villa. Like he always gives us those annoying one-one draws, and like he's, you know what I mean. Like he's he's always been annoying. Aston Villa have always been annoying. So I don't know. You could they could have a new manager bounce. It's always it's always a risk. Happened to happened to Arsenal against Everton when they brought Sean Dyche in to have a new manager bounce. Um, I'm always wary of new manager bounces. Um, but yeah, look, I don't want to talk about Leicester. Let's keep going. Let's keep talking about Bayern. <laughs> um, yes. So, so. Once we go up 3-0 um, with that fantastic finish from Haaland, did you want goals or were you happy to just, okay, we're up 3-0, take that to Munich, run with it? I wanted another goal because Bayern, I, and I said this on previous podcasts, like Bayern are kind of like Real Madrid in that you have to cut the head off the snake. Like I know they're not Real Madrid where Real Madrid just pull stuff out of their ass literally every single time like like last year where they just constantly get outplayed and they just pull stuff out of nowhere i know bayern don't really do that a ton but it's still bayern munich like you still have to respect them so just i want you to step on their throats and really like like just kill their confidence 
You know what I mean? Like go for five, nothing. And just like you take that belief away from them that they cannot beat you at home. That's, that's what I wanted. And we almost did it. Like there were even after the third goal, Alvarez had that really good chance. That was maybe six inches wide of the post. Like, that they were going for, and especially Alvarez, you could tell he wanted a goal. Yeah, and I think Roger had uh, maybe the best chance after we went three 0 Oh yeah, off. Rodri had that header too, and that made mm. it like if it wasn't for Sommer, that that game could have been four or five. Diaz had a good chance as well. Yeah, Sommer had like Sommer had a, Sommer had a good. He's probably one. Of, he's probably a very underrated keeper for, in terms of reflexes. I was reading about him um, from. Some, uh, Bayern fans, and they were saying like he's very, very, he's a very good reflex keeper. Like he has insane reflex, and you can see it like in that Gundogan, where he stopped that Gundogan goal in the first half, where he just like tips it with his foot somehow. I'm like, How do you manage to even save that? That doesn't make sense. <laughs> even though the goal, I don't think would have counted, but he's just like, how did you save that? <laughs> he's he's a, he's a very underrated keeper when it comes to re- reflexes. Very, very underrated. Yeah, it's honestly that kind of reminds me of De Gea a little bit. Now De Gea is like he's kind of the extreme where he's a very good reflex keeper, but he's terrible at everything else. So, (laughs) but like when you're a really good reflex keeper, then that makes like you look to the naked eye so much better because you're making crazy saves all the time. That's right. Yeah. Um, But like Sommer, I think is a good keeper all around. Like he has good reflexes. He's fine with his feet. He's not like amazing with his feet, but he's good enough. And He's like he's good at owning his penalty box and stuff like that. So he had, I think he had a very good game. And if it wasn't for him, then that's it's a bigger scoreline, honestly. Like, and it's crazy to see because like City didn't control the match. Like, I didn't no. I didn't look at that match and say like City controlled it at all, but City created the quality chances and Bayern just didn't. And that's where really the difference lies is like city had a good handful of quality chances and Byron had one and a half. And other than that, it was, there wasn't really much there. So like, if you look at an XG chart, like, yeah, I think city was like 2.2 XG and Byron was at 0.8, but Byron's like 0.8 was little chances spread across. Whereas city had a good handful of big chances and that's what you need in these games is you need to create a couple of big chances and you need to convert them. And that's what that's what does it. Like you're not going to you're not going to hammer somebody where they're going to rack up 4 or 5 xg in a match. Like that's just it's not going to be like that. So City executed it perfectly and this team um what I like about them is they're like they're learning to come into their own and how to play together. And I think that's why, like, what we've seen since about February onward, I don't think it's form. I think this team is just learning how to play together. That and too. they're starting to master it. Like, the in the beginning of the season, it's like, oh, we have all these new players. We have these two strikers coming in that sometimes Pep wants to play them together. And we have a new defensive midfielder, even though he never plays, and we have this other guy, Sergio Gomez, who may or may not be an actual left back. And we don't know if he's actually going to be something like 
there was so much uncertainty. And then you have Joao Cancelo like doing his own thing. And there was so much like figuring out that City had to do for the first couple months of the season. And now they know who they are. They know how they're going to play. Everybody knows their role and is mastering it perfectly. And the players that City didn't have last year, mainly Holland and Alvarez, are better and better every week. And so it's just getting that much better. So I don't think this is form. I think this is just City is getting better and better at how they're playing. Yeah, and it's a byproduct of the World Cup, right? So I feel like, like I said, we, we usually figure it out in the October to November mark, and then you go on a big run. But because of the World Cup, it kind of stopped any momentum of like getting that figuring around. And you have to kind of like hit the reset button. Then we spent January and early part of February trying to figure it out again, and then then we hit the form, we hit the run of form, and now we're on that where we figured it out. So I agree with you. I feel like yeah, we have figured it out now. This is, and to me, I. Phil, this might be this this team is insane. Like I I haven't been this confident in a defense in a long time. Where where I say when we go into a game and I say these guys are gonna keep a clean sheet. Probably the last time I believe was eighteen nineteen company um, Laporte partnership and then the the twenty twenty one Stones Diaz partnership where we went on that seal run. Um, but even then, like we were still prone to errors at the back. We were still prone to make defensive mistakes. What's impressive about the overall team performance here was, so like in that first 15 minutes where in the second half, where Bayern were imposing themselves and they were getting, they were bypassing our midfield. The defenders were defending, right? We were, they were literally one-on-one with a player and they were making the right decisions. Right, so I think only a couple times they got burned, but even when they did get burned, there was a recovery. There was something in place to make sure there's no there's no clear cut no clear cut chance. And outside of that Sane chance, there was no clear cut chance that Bayern had where they messed it up. Do you know what I mean? So like, there was never a moment where someone had a great shot and they like you know had a bad bad shot. And like you said, the accumulation of the XG, like Bayern had like twelve or thirteen shots. Right, and most of those shots were from outside the box, so that accumulates up to 0.8 xG anyway. You're gonna get xG, but just by shooting the ball, right? That's how xG works. But they didn't have a high xG shot in that entire game, and that's what's impressive. We stopped them having any high shot chances at any point of the game, and that's that was that's what was so impressive to me in this type of game. Usually, like when we play these type of high intensity Champions League games. We're prone to either an error or a defensive lapse where the other team scores. Or, you know, like going back again to Madrid last year where Fernandinho is playing right back or um, <clears throat> and we give up, you know, we gave up five goals in that in, in over those two legs. That's what's impressive to me. We went, we played Bayern Munich. We conceded no chances or no clear cut chances or no big chances while maintaining a high defensive effort and keeping a clean sheet so yeah look like i said it was a masterful performance absolutely masterful absolutely beautiful um and i think city can get better as well like it wasn't a perfect performance but it was a hard working performance which is what i liked it's that like 
You got to win ugly. Everybody, everybody worked incredibly hard and especially defensively. But like, if you just looked at the performance itself, like it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest. It was very good. Like, uh, it, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like Liverpool where we were just like tearing them to shreds. No, 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 no. It was, it yeah, was yeah. much more even. And it's just like, it's like City learned how to play a little bit differently that is more suitable for the Champions League. If that makes sense. Like they're like this team, the way they're defending, they're like it's like they're built for the Champions League. Because that's the type that's what you need. I agree. And I, and I, and it's it's because of Haaland, right? We know we now have a focal point that we can pass the ball into, have a half chance, and he might put it away. While in the past, it's always, we need about 25 chances to score two goals, right? It, so that's the difference. So we can play that defensive solidity. We can yeah. take the pressure on without fearing the need to score all the time. Yeah. Holland and also Diaz and Ake. Like Diaz and Ake and Stones, like the way they defend in the box oh. is something that oh. we like... And that's why, like, the last time Ruben Diaz was at his best, what happened? We made a Champions League final. Like, because you're just, you need to defend in the box. You're never going to keep your opponent in the Champions League away from your box. And it was just, like, that coupled with, like you said, Holland on the other end, where he's such a threat, and it's not like a defense is set up in a deep block focusing on only him the entire time. It's like, Oh, Holland's through on goal, and now I have to scramble to go to try to cover him, and then somebody else is wide open. And hey, and there it, there it goes. Changes the game, changes the game. I, I just want to talk about a few players as well. So, like to me, there's a couple of players we need to highlight. A is Nathan Ake. What a season he is having, right? He's I can't believe how he's playing. To be honest, like you. you <laughs> What was it last year? He did. He couldn't get into the team, and this year now he's he's playing like this in a in a Champions League quarterfinal against Bayern Munich at left back, defending yeah, one he on got, one. He got defending one on one. He got in a little more last year, but it still wasn't. It seemed like he was just he was a squad player. He was a depth guy. He was a depth guy, hundred percent. He he he's at the moment he is undroppable. You know he he was marking Nabry, Coman. He he was literally taking them one on one and doing the right thing every single time. All right. And then you've got John Stones, who is playing a hybrid centre-back, hybrid midfield, hybrid winger, hybrid attacker. Like, what What a fucking player. Honestly, what a fucking player. And he's got ro- maybe the most versatile centre-back in the world right now. He is probably one of the best centre-backs in the world. He is so good. Like he's so underrated. Like I said, you you had if you go look, go to go to the lineup release where the buy-in side is talking about our lineup, and they are laughing that John Stones is in the lineup. John fucking Stones showed them who he is, and now they. Oh, I had a friend who's a Bayern fan, and he started laughing because he was like, "Oh, we're gonna easily boss this game. John Stones is playing in midfield." Yeah, 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 they they I'm like. Have that, you not watched any game for the past no, month? No, that they have not seen shit. They literally seen John Stones and thought that their their pacey fucking wingers 
like that cook us and mate you look at look at what we did to them who's laughing now that's all I can say about that and the other player I'll talk about is Rodri he is a Rolls Royce in midfield he ran 13 kilometers yesterday you know that right 13 kilometers yeah I think he ran more than everyone on the field more than everyone on the field 13 kilometers it was to be exact it was 12.92 I'm rounding up a little bit but 12.92 kilometers and he was the most active player up and down the pitch to run that much as and <laughs> look at who Rodri when he came in was replacing Fernandinho we used to always say no one ever replaced Fernandinho I fucking think he's better than Fernandinho he is so yeah. so so good and it's not just his defensive and, and, and work rate it is his ability to move the ball and hold on to the ball without making any mistakes is sublime. And Bayern's midfield is no pushovers. They're fucking Goretzka in there. Right? Like Goretzka and Kimmich, like Rodri bossed them. Asan said it on ninety three twenty. Like they call him Daddy Rodri because he <laughs> like I, yeah, I heard that actually. He said he, he said he said he made them look like their kids. Roger was their dad. <laughs> Seriously, like he, like in that midfield, like Kimmich and Goretzka are legitimate world class players, and Rodri got the better of them easily. Like he, he bossed them. I think there was one time where he literally like threw Goretzka, like Goretzka bounced off of him, like he was a rubber band or something. Yeah, and the and other- Goretzka's a big dude too. Yeah, yeah, they're strong. He does, man. They're, those midfielders are fantastic. So for the, for us, for Rodri to have that performance in that game, dude, dude, <laughs> you, you can't. What, what do you say about that? I and, wonder and, and, if Pep trusts Calvin Phillips enough to play him this weekend because no, Rodri, doesn't. like, Rodri's going to need a rest. He needs a rest, but he's not starting Calvin Phillips. On the weekend, he won't. It's risk unfortunate. It. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But like I said, we've got 15 games left, and he's going to run our players into the ground until the end of the season. He'll 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 do he'll do 60 minute subs. So he'll expect us to try win the game in 60 minutes, and he'll do 60 minute subs, similar how he did against Southampton. That's that's going to be his, that's how he has to do the rest of the season. Literally. Get a three or four goal lead, and I'm comfortable to make a sub. Roger, go sit down. You've had, you've done your, you've done your minutes. It's gonna be like that until the end of the season. And the the only other player that, by the way, that I want to talk about is Bernardo Silva. You know, we're probably losing Bernardo Silva this summer. But man, what a performance! What a he player! Was, <laughs> he was playing right wing, right, which is. He's not, it's not his best position. I think he's a better midfielder. And he was up against one of the paciest um, left-backs in the world, in, in Davies, right? And, man, he was abs- – he had him on toast. He was going th- – he was nutmegging him multiple times. And he had that little run where he went around four buy-in plays. Man. And then he scored as a goal, has an assist. Well, the assist to Rodri, whatever. I'm not going to really count that, but it's a nice pass. <laughs> <laughs> Rodri does most of the work there, but to do all of that 
and obviously I'm, I'm not sure how many kilometers he ran, but it, I'm not sure. I, I, I bet it's not far behind Rodri anyway. What a player. What a player. Man, I tweeted about it. I said, bring the son to Manchester. Do anything. Just get him to sign a new contract. I'd love him to stay. You know, we talk about yeah. all these new, new midfielders that we want to get, but I'd rather have Bernardo. Give me Bernardo, man. What a player. What a player. Look, if we can convince <sighs> Bernardo to re- renew his contract, like, I would rather have that than McAllister any of those guys, maybe other than Jude, but I think that would be a separate issue. But, like, Bernardo was absolutely incredible. And, like, that's where the tactics comes in. That's why he played on the right wing was because Alfonso Davies is very, very good. And Bernardo shut him down. Like, did you see him do anything? Like, he, he legitimately wasn't doing anything. And then nope. Bernardo on the other end is twinkle toes and is like nutmegging three guys and running into the box. Like what? And I had a friend who was sitting with me watching the game. And my friend is a big soccer fan, football fan in general, but like he doesn't, he doesn't really watch very often. So he, it's not like he week in and week out was watching city or Bayern. And that was the first thing he said. He's like, who is this guy? Bernardo? Like he's like, He's over there dancing in the corner. There's three guys on him, and he's just dribbling between them. Like, he looks like he's just messing with them. And it's just, he's absolutely incredible. And no matter what position he plays, he's incredible. And he did the defensive work that was needed today. And that's like, that's part of why Byron didn't have much of an attack. Like, Alfonso Davies is so good at overlapping and underlapping and providing like that extra threat. And he was just anonymous today. And that was because of Bernardo Silva. And look, like I said, bring the sun to Manchester. Do what we need to do to keep him on. But look, I, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. But look, let's just get through the season, I guess. And then I guess we'll see what's going to happen at the end. But... What a player. He, that fee he, better be high as hell. Look, if he what, wants to go, you better <laughs> be asking for some money. Look, the only thing I think that helps with is potentially a fee, right? Because we can we can literally say, if like PSG can't for him, and they go, oh, we'll give you 40 million. We could say, did you see how he played against Bayern fucking Munich? <laughs> did, did you see what Bayern Munich did to you? <laughs> so oh, yeah. If, if, you want, if you want this player... Pay the fuck up. Yeah, they want him seventy million. They, I know they have it. It's PSG. Yeah, and look, they're, like probably, they, gonna, they're probably gonna lose Messi, right? So they got a lot of wages coming off. Yeah, they're they're a hundred percent losing Messi. Those wages are coming off, and they're looking at Bernardo and Bernardo, like the sporting director at Monaco. When Bernardo was there, is the sporting director at PSG right now? Like they. I believe that they will go hard after Bernardo. Like, they really want him. And, yeah, like, pay up. You're going to have to pay $60, 70000000 for him. And I think PSG would. And I actually think, like, that is a good price for what you get with Bernardo. You're getting like, a fantastic- that's not a that's, – that's, that's a great price for anybody that pays that. 
Look, you're, you're he, getting a, he's 28. You're getting a he's in the middle of his prime. Yeah, you're getting a Swiss knife, man. Uh, and and Pep said it best. You guys do not understand what Bernardo does. You look at the stats, you look at goals and assists. But he gives so much else. He's everywhere on the pitch. So, look, and and, and this is the thing, right? We, we can, I think, we can, like I said, we can literally have a 10-minute segment on each player from this game. Like, we haven't even spoke about Gundogan, right? But, like, you can literally spend 10 minutes on every single player and say how good they were. And that's that's what it was. It was a, literally a 10 out of 10 performance in terms of everything that we did in this game. It, it literally was a 10 out of 10 performance. Yes. Who, was your, who would be your man of the match if you had to pick one, though? Honestly, so, I'm, so I'm giving it to... I'm giving it to Ruben Diaz. Like, I'm Diaz, not giving really? it to anybody else. You want to know why? I'll tell you why. It's because he not only was great defensively, he organized the defense. And not just that, did you know that this is only the second time in 40 games that Bayern have not scored a goal in a Champions League match. Wow. Second time in 40 games that, they, that they've that they had a clean sheet against them. And wow. that was down to Ruben Diaz. So, like, that I think was more important than any of the goals is that they did not – they had rarely anything to look at. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. I, th- I think they've, prior to this game, they'd only conceded two goals this season in the Champions League, right? Two goals. And we scored three in one game. Yeah. And they, and they had not, they had scored in every Champions League match as well. Like, and they'd been undefeated. Yeah. So all of those, all of those things broken. Who, who's I, your man of the match? I don't know. I want to give it to about six players, man. <laughs> I want to give it to Bernardo. I want to give it to Rodri. I want to give it to Grealish. I want to give it to Diaz. I want to give it to John Stones. Dude. If I, hey, look, if I had to pick, if I actually had to, you know, say who do I give it to, it has to be, for me, it's Bernardo. It, it, it's a close call between Bernardo and Rodri, but, you know, I'll give it to Bernardo. He he deserved a game like that. And Honestly, he, I, I can't argue with any of this. She just, look, like I said. Like you can't. When a team, when your team as a team drops a 10 out of 10 performance, you know, I don't think there was any player at a level below an eight, right? On, it was sad to say, probably the only player that did have a lower performance than anyone else was Kevin De Bruyne, but I think that's more because his legs were gone by 60 minutes, right? So, like even Alvarez, Alvarez, Alvarez had 30 minutes, and I think he had an eight. He had an eight or nine. Like, he, there's no... Yeah player on the team that had a below level than a seven or eight so who do you give the man of the match to when everyone's dropping performances like that so you have to give it to either Rodri or Bernardo or like you know look it is what it this what a performance that's all I can say it's probably it's probably up there with one of our best performances in Europe and like I said I feel like we play better against these big teams we we like to impose ourselves and prove ourselves against this team against this type of teams so yeah, bring on the second leg, man. Bring on the second leg. It's not over yet. Yeah. It's never. It's not over yet. It's definitely not over. We did. Definitely five, not over. If it was four or five nil, I'd say it's over. But at three, I've seen stranger things happen in the Champions League. I've seen. Yeah, things and happen. especially I've, going into Munich. Yeah, I've seen stranger things happen. So I'm. I'm not. I'm not counting my um, 
as they say, I'm counting my chickens just yet because it's not over. All right, Jason. Well, uh, looks like we're out of time here. I know we said we were going to talk about transfers and specifically Jude Bellingham and all of the news that's come out about him recently. Um, but we've run out of some time, so we're going to get that covered during the Leicester match or after when we do our review of Leicester. Um, so stay tuned for that. And by then, I think we'll probably have a little bit more developments on the story as well. So um, yeah, keep great. your ear to the ground and stay tuned. Yeah, great. Look, <laughs> like I said, we could we could have talked 10 minutes each on uh, the Bernardo and David, not David, <laughs> Bernardo and all these other players. So 10 minutes each. Um, and this, this pod definitely went over than we thought it will, but look, the game deserved it. Yeah, this game deserved its own podcast anyways. So yeah, it's all so good. We'll talk about it after the Leicester game and we'll go from there. Catch you guys. See you guys. Cheers. Bye.